You're listening to the Unshamed Podcast. We talk about important topics that are culturally taboo when it comes to the female body, mind, and soul. We want to break down shame that surrounds these topics so that women can be empowered in their everyday lives. Make sure to like and subscribe and share this with your friends. Welcome to the Unshamed Podcast, you guys. Merry Christmas. This is um, a special little Christmas episode of the Unshamed Podcast. Um, We are, Lord Jesus, thank you. We are about to wrap up this dumpster fire of a year. Oh, it's going to be over soon. Um, And there's, you know, there's a lot to be thankful for, even though it feels like everything that could have possibly gone wrong went wrong this year. Um, On a positive note, um, as one of my friends recently put it, we actually experienced, we experienced a meme renaissance this year. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I think that humans are humans are fun that uh, I think what do we do with tragedy we make a meme out of it um, now I mean there's other more significant things that have gone really really well you know like with uh, Zoe community who we work with with unshamed things have been going extraordinarily well there are lots of women who have been trained to listen without criticism and without giving direction to women in crisis pregnancy. We've got that training that has happened, and um, we're so excited to get started, to get started with our work there. So um, now we have Christmas to look forward to. Yay! Um, maybe we don't get to be with family. Maybe we... Um, you know, maybe things are a little bit, a little bit crappier this year. Um, but that's this year. We'll look back on this year and we'll think, oh, you know, like that sucked. You know, there are things that have gone well this year and now we have Christmas to look forward to. Christmas, that might be a little bit different, but you know, it's 2020. So on this very special Christmassy episode, um, we are going to talk about, you know, something that we rarely talk about when associated with Christmas, um, shame. And it's, it's so funny. Whenever I say the word shame, I always think about the show Modern Family where there's this running gag where Mitchell keeps pointing and going shame. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, feel free to, you know, roll your eyes. It's fine. If you know what I'm talking about, congratulations. Now that's stuck in your head, like it's stuck in my head. (laughs) Um, so back to the topic, shame, scandal, and the relatively ordinary birth of Jesus. So I don't know, we don't normally associate Jesus with shame or Christmas with shame, but it was actually a humongous part of the Christmas story. Um, so I think that there's um, there's this idea that good people, in quotes I say, good people um, and people who are shamed have no place associating with each other. So certainly not in church that could be because that could be said of some people. Um, I think we need to think again about that. Um, today we're going to talk about the real life of Jesus and why he totally demolished what we think uh, sometimes think of as a good person. Um, there's really no story quite like the story of Jesus. It's not conventional. Um, it's really completely unlike any other story about a king or a deity um, that's admired by humans. Uh, we sing songs at Christmas and dress up and, oh, isn't this nice and pleasant? Um, but on this episode, we're going to talk about Jesus in real life. Um, we'll step into his shoes, look at the environment, the shame, the scandal. We'll, sympath- we'll empathize with all the people in the story. And it's Zoe. We're 
really big into the empathy thing. So nerd alert. Um, all you people who don't enjoy history, buckle up because um, you, and we're going to talk about some history today. And I promise we'll talk about mental health and blood and things that ooze, you know, another day. Um, today, today is not that day. Um, sometimes uh, with history, it becomes more alive when we encounter some of the details. And I'm a huge history nerd. Um, some of my favorite YouTube channels are all about um, ancient recipes and uh, period clothing. And Blake is over there like rolling his eyes because... <laughs> Because he's like, what are you watching tonight? Oh, I'm watching the thing about um, how the ancient Romans made um, aphrodisiac sauce or whatever. And he's like, okay, great. Um, but uh, I just love uh, thinking about history and um, and talking about all that stuff because it kind of makes it come alive to me. Um, and, you know, like when it comes to Jesus, I think... Knowing that Jesus understands the very painful reality of shame helps me love and respect him much more. Um, I think that when we see someone who's been in our shoes, it can help us trust that person more, too. So before we get going with our three people we're going to talk about, be sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons. Um, I promise that not all episodes are like this, but today it's Christmas time, so we're going to be festive. Um, so there are three people in this story that we can look at, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Um, three people who most likely had to walk through shame that didn't come from God, no, but came from the society around them. Sound familiar? Yeah. Um, so now the Bible doesn't talk about this explicitly. The reader has to is expected to read and either A, know about the cultural context because they live it, or B, learn about the cultural context. So today we're going to be the learners. Um, and the more we know about the environment in which these stories, in which these people lived, the more that we can know, I think, about God's love woven throughout the story. Uh, so Mary, first person, um, who was most likely engaged to Joseph since she was a tiny kid. That's how they used to do these things back then. Um, then they got, then she got betrothed to him. That was like in the Jewish culture, a year long process. And it was totally binding. You had to get a divorce if you wanted to break that off. Um, they would be waiting for the wedding day. Um, and then an angel comes to her and is like, guess what? You're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Congratulations. You're going to be the person who gets to birth your own savior. Yay. So Mary must have thought, okay, so if I somehow don't die by the hands of my law-abiding community uh, for getting pregnant before the wedding, um, my kid's going to grow up and he's going to kick the Romans to the curb. All right, because that's who were, uh, that's the, the, who was oppressing the Jews at the time. Um, but... I think she had to figure out, like everybody else did, that God's plan is just never like we expect, um, which is great. Um, it's great how she found out, uh, and she made up a song about it, um, which is about how uh, God lifts up those who are outcasts and brings them honor, and things that he does are sort of flipped a little bit. Like, it's not how we would do things. It's, it's kind of better, you know. Um, it would have been probably disastrous for her prego not married yet in that culture she'd either be stoned to death or divorced and destitute um if she wasn't 
about to marry the man who she was. So enter Joseph. Um, Joseph was born, he was in a uh, part of the tribe of Judah and a direct descendant of King David. Um, and he was probably well aware of the significance of his family line. Um, so being one of David's descendants, he probably grew up being told that he, that the Messiah, so like the savior of humanity was going to come through his family, pretty big deal. Um, and so it was a big deal for them to keep track of family lineage and boy, did they keep track of it. Um, but since Joseph didn't have a part in Jesus's conception, I kind of, I wonder, you know, did he feel weirded out that he was just as much related to, related by blood to Jesus as he was like to a tomato, you know? I wonder that sometimes. Um, you know, it's it's cool though, but God, like he knew in this culture how important family lines and bloodlines and stuff were to these ancient people. Um, it actually legitimized a person to be a part of a special family. Um, Joseph's, you know, his family line, it still continued on through Jesus. Um, yet another way that God showed how actual bloodlines, they don't really qualify you or disqualify you from belonging to God's family. Um, God adopts us all into his family, I think. I think that's just neat how that sort of played out. Um, But God, you know, he did more than allow all of these prestigious people to be a part um, of the family line from Abraham to David to Jesus. There were others too. Um, So, I think not only do bloodlines not disqualify a person from being in God's family, but neither do social status or mistakes either. I think that's really cool how in the book of Matthew, he included a bunch of people in the lineage of Jesus. Matthew sort of wrote for the Jews and he included a family tree at the very beginning because people back then, especially Jewish people were like, who does this person belong to? That was like the primary thing they were focused on. But Matthew decided to include a bunch of like sketchy people into the lineage who normally Jewish um, uh, genealogies, they wouldn't have women and they wouldn't have, they would only have men in there. But he has, let's see, one, two, three, four women in the genealogy. He included a bunch of different people. He included Tamar, who she's a character who ended up because she was a widow and didn't have anything uh, to her name. And her father-in-law kind of refused to give her another one of his sons. Long story, but she ended up having sex with him, who was Judah. That when they when uh, Jesus is from the tribe of Judah, when Joseph is from that tribe, that's the guy, the Judah. Uh, so those people are included. Rahab is included. She was a foreigner and a prostitute who ended up marrying one of the Israelite people. Ruth is included, a foreigner, and not only that, a foreigner from um, a group of people who really, really hated the Jews, and the Jews hated them back. So it's really interesting how she is in there. Um, then came David who killed a guy to cover up the fact that David impregnated this guy's wife. Um, yeah, not, not, not so great. And then that woman is also included, um, Bathsheba is included. She had Solomon who Solomon, he made some epic mistakes. You know, people call him really wise and all this stuff. Yeah, he, he wasn't the greatest guy. Um, and then the kings after him who presided over like the total annihilation of Jerusalem and the Jewish people being brought into exile, crazy stuff. 
And then the family line led to Joseph and Mary. And they mentioned Mary too. And Matthew like puts these people in here, I think deliberately to prove a point that Jesus was breaking down barriers. Non-Jews, women who in the time period reviewed, they reviewed as property. Um, and, you know, Jewish people, Jewish men at the time used to pray uh, every morning, thanking God that they weren't a dog, a Gentile, or a woman. So that's, eh, you know, women just were not considered up there um, and equal to men. But Jesus was wanting to do something completely different. Um, And also included in the genealogy, people who'd done wrong, and they're equally as important in the story of God, because it's not about what we do. I think it's about what what he does, you know. Um, The story of God, it's full of inadequate and rejected people, people living under a cloud of shame, who God said, I can give you a new destiny Uh, as part of my story. And I'll give you legitimacy, not because of what good you've done, but because I'm good and I love you. I think that's why this all happened the way it did. So here's Joseph. And and Luke says that Joseph was like super Jewish, you know, like a picture super Jew flying through the air with a copy of the Torah, then comes super Christian, flinging custard creams at Satan. Blake's over here like, God, he used to be cool. No, man, I never was. So that's, you know, that's on you. Um, yeah, anyway, Joseph, 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 Joseph was very, he was very into the law. He loved the law. He loved God. And, um, and he wasn't into it because he was like, I'm so self-righteous, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's not because of that. It was because he wanted to be faithful to God. That's all. So when he found out that Mary was pregnant, um, he was about to do what any good Jewish guy would do and he was going to go and divorce her, right? And he was going to do it quietly. Hopefully nobody would, would kill her, right? Um, so, oh, when a Jewish couple, when they got engaged, again, there was that year-long process between that time and the wedding during which they were not supposed to touch each other. So, whoops. Wah, wah, wah. Um, and Jewish men had the right to legally divorce their women if they suspected they'd slept around. Um, but then Joseph had a dream and it's not like a dream, um, from Mexican food. Like I have all the time. This was like a legit dream from God. This was for real. An angel was, um, came in, came into the dream and he was like, uh, Hey, this is the story, man. This is what's what's happening. Um, he's like, you know, there's no way you'd believe any of this if um, you didn't have a mind blowing supernatural experience, right? So here you go, because um, you'd either, you know, you'd either have to be super crazy um, or super like I'm on a mission from God, baby, to be a part of the life that he was about to get into, man. So what a guy! What a guy! Um, I don't think he ever gets enough credit, Joseph. I don't, I don't think he does. Um, because not only did he understand the law and what he should do, like divorce the woman, he understood that the heart of God and and that kindness and justice were the like driving force behind much of the law. Um, so he he got that if he went ahead with the letter of the law, turn Mary over to be stoned because of the you know what things looked like and all that. Um, he you know he wouldn't be following what God said in the dream. And he also wouldn't be ultimately acting with justice towards this young woman who nobody he had nobody to turn to. So Joseph, he was willing to go th- uh, let go of his um, 
you know, suspicions. I mean, can you imagine what he might have felt like in anger? Um, and he was willing to just trust God um, and do justice by this girl. And, you know, and probably go through his entire life living under the shame um, of society just because he was doing what he knew was right. So, damn. I mean, Jesus and Mary were saved from death at that moment because um, God chose the best guy to, to be there for Mary, to be Jesus's earthly dad. And that's kind of mind blowing. Um, so, you know, how is this guy not the patron saint of unplanned pregnancy? Like, who's in charge of that? I know he's a saint of some kind already. Forgive my ignorance. I just don't know. Um, but can he be a saint of two things? Do you know? Okay. Asking for a friend or just me. You know, I don't know. Anyway, um, so you've got these people who, Mary and Joseph, who everybody thinks did the deed before the wedding day or that Joseph is a chump uh, who didn't have the guts to follow the law, oh, which I don't know what what would have been better. You know, you think maybe they're toast. Um I don't know. This reinforces kind of our image of Mary and, and Joseph showing up at Bethlehem with all the doors slammed in their faces and her giving birth alone in a dirty stable. But maybe not. Um, so let's go back. So since these people, remember, were super into lineage and who you were, whose family you were in, Joseph being part of a freaking royal line, um, he actually probably got some points for that. Um, and still, they, they might, um, and they might not have been totally rejected, um, but they probably had some side eyes from people, they probably had some looks. Um, even so, they were probably welcomed into someone's home when Mary and, G- um, and Joseph uh, came to Bethlehem, not in a dirty cave like we see in the, in the nativity place. Um, it was almost, it's almost kind of a cooler image, I think, um, than what's in our heads that Jesus was a king, but he was born like every other kid around. But wait, back up, hold on. Not in a cave, in somebody's home, what the heck? So when I told a friend of mine uh, that I was going to be thinking about this kind of stuff, Jesus, shame, Jesus in real life stuff, I had to pick her PhD brain a little bit. So a little shout out to Leslie uh, for all of the uh, reading on all this stuff. I now feel like incredibly smart that I've read this stuff. I just feel like, um, yeah, no, I'm not. I just, I just read some stuff that somebody gave me. So, but I'm passing it on to you. So thanks for the reading, Leslie. Um, and here is what I found out through all this. Um, according to scholars and archaeologists, ancient Palestinian, um, the people who lived there, uh, common people lived in one-room houses. They had a lower level that had a stable. And so it was all in one big room. And that kind of ensured that the animals were brought inside and protected during the night. And then the people sort of slept on the upper level. And so dug into the floor on the lower level um, were mangers. They were filled with straw and stuff in case the animals got hungry in the middle of the night, you know. And the word in, there was no room at the inn that used by Luke, um, was actually the Greek word meaning guest room. But in English, we interpret that as a commercial inn, like no vacancy sign, you know. Um, and that's that's the language got a little bit messed up there. But in these times... Um, if some guy walked up to your house and said, I'm Joseph from the house of David, he would have gotten like an automatic pass to stay there. 
just by virtue of his heritage. Um, so the likely scenario, this is this is crazy, the likely scenario was that Joseph and Mary knocked on the door of a friend or a relative, because hello, he was kind of from there, and they were welcomed in, as was the custom. Like, you welcome somebody into your house, that's just what you did. Then because... Bethlehem was chock-a-block with people coming for the census, the guest room was full. And so they had to sleep with the family. I think Mary was probably like, don't look at me. This baby's making me have to pee every five minutes. That's why it took forever to get here. Um, So they had no choice, I think, but to bunk with the family. Um, And as traditionally was done, Mary probably wasn't by herself having the baby. She probably was helped out by the local midwife and other women around. It's definitely an interesting picture that, uh, that we have in our heads. You know, if we start going down that road, then came Jesus, you know, he technically, he should have been born in a palace because of his bloodline. Uh, Jesus being born in such normal, humble circumstances, I think is, um, the most fitting way I think for him, him to get started as, God among us. Emmanuel, that name, God among us, that's what it means. He came and he lived in human skin. A king should have been born in a palace, and he was born uh, like a regular guy living a regular life. Um, on that same note, it's actually pretty cool. Um, because he was born in, obviously, a peasant house where they had mangers and all that, The um, that gave the shepherds, those were the first guys to ever find out that Jesus was born, um, and they were told that he was put into a manger when he was born. So that gave them the courage to go up and see him, because shepherds at the time were considered dirty, they were considered unclean by orthodox standards just because of the work they did. But Jesus came for everybody, and I think that's really, really cool. So, you know, fast forward to today in our context, if you feel like you can't approach Jesus because of what's going on in your life, um, that's definitely not true. I know we feel that, but it's not true. Um, like he is for everybody and he understands every walk of life, the highs, the lows, the honor, the shame, all of it. Um, you know, people in those days had this idea of what it meant to be a good person. You were clean physically, metaphorically. You weren't a dirty shepherd and such. You know, you washed. You didn't touch dead things or sick people. If you did, you had to do a bunch of rituals and stuff. Uh, you dressed a certain way. You prayed a certain way. You looked holy and all that. Um, it was all about what you did. Um, and we still have the tendency, I find, to, to make it all about what we do, don't we, you know? Um, I think it's really hard for us to let that go. It's so logical, illogical. That's what I'm trying to say that, um, it might be possible for us to depend on God for a heart change and it not in our ability to be good. It's really hard for us to, to make that switch. I think, um, but Jesus, man, all the people who were really religious and super into what we do and being clean and all that. He made those people like hella pissed. He touched disease people. He, instead of him becoming dirty, he actually healed them. He spent time with people who were shamed and discarded. He made the point of saying that it didn't matter what you did on the outside, but what was going on in your heart. Um, he even let himself, when he was 33, let himself be shamed, allowed himself to be abused, mocked, falsely accused, 
criminalized and crucified naked by the Romans. Either he was nuts, he was full of crap, or he was actually telling the truth. Um, Like the truth that he was God in the body of a regular guy who was there to shake things up and shake up what people considered to be a good person. Um, Jesus was like, nope. Uh, nobody can be perfect, but I'll take care of it. Um, only God can live a perfect life, and that's what he did. That's what I think he did, you know. You find out for yourself. See what you think. Um, you and me, um, we just, all we need to do is be like, yes, I believe it. Sign me up, man. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm done trying to be a good person. I'm done trying to be perfect and all that crap. Can you be good for me? That's all we need to do, I think. Um, our shame, that stuff that, um, isn't something Jesus wants at all. No, it can be gone in five seconds because Jesus, you know, I think he already took our shame in our place that he lived, um, the life where he probably got the side eye, you know, a ton. He died having people laugh at him hanging there. Then I think he kicked death in the crotch and I think he came back to life again. I think, He came back to life to remove barriers, to take those things down. I think um, that anybody who thinks that they need to be cleaned up and presentable before they go to church or go to a Bible study or talk to Jesus or anything um, needs to know, I think that's a a total lie, you know, that you need to be cleaned up first or whatever. There's no barrier. I don't think there's a barrier for you there. The whole thing about people looking presentable and having a great reputation, being worthy of a shame-free life... That's ancient tradition, man. That's old dead news. If anybody ever made you feel like that in church, I got news for you. They're acting just like the people who hated on Jesus. You know? Totally. Um, we I think we all need heart surgery, like in the metaphor in the spiritual sense. Um, yeah, you know, even people who are clean and dressed up and in church on Christmas Day and appear perfect heart surgery. Everybody needs it. So recap. So we talked about the gritty side of the Christmas story. We talked about Mary, who's way gutsier than I would have been. Joseph, who's way nicer than I probably would have ever been. And Jesus, who's all these things, and he's more, who I think understands our simple lives more than we ever know. Um, stay tuned for next time. Uh, I'll be on the road masked up and coated with hand sanitizer. (laughs) And Blake just told me today that, uh, mouthwash kills COVID. So, um, you know, I'll sprinkle a little of that, you know, on me, some mouthwash. Um, and, uh, we'll be, I'll be interviewing some more people for the podcast in the good old USA, but Hey, Merry Christmas to all. And I hope everyone, um, uh, has somebody to hug on Christmas. They're able to eat something awesome and able to open something fun. Um, but until next time, keep living unshamed. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the unshamed podcast. Join us next time for another topic that we hope empowers you. Don't forget to like, and subscribe and share this with your friends.